Now, I appreciate the, the words tonight. I, I appreciate being uh, in a word church, and I appreciate being in a Holy Ghost church. Yes. And they're both important. Yes. That we are fed solidly from the uncompromised word of God, but yet we allow the Spirit of God to break in and talk to us and speak to us. And we, we honor prophecies, don't we, church? Yes. We weigh them against the word of God, but we honor the prophecy, the ministry of the Spirit of God, and uh, tongues interpretation, etc., and, uh, you know, he just, he knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, it's often said that we don't have to create something. All we have to do is just find out what God is doing and just flow with him. And great things will happen. Amen. So I just want to start out tonight by talking to you about uh, where faith will not work in terms of our lives. As a foundation and a springboard into talking to you about spreading the spirit of faith. And you can write these down and meditate on these. There's nothing really groundbreaking about this, but it's important for you to understand that we're called to guard our hearts. Can I have a better amen than that? Because the scripture tells us in Proverbs 4 that out of that heart flow the issues of life or the forces of the born-again spirit or the recreated spirit. So if there's something wrong with the heart, as, as Jackie revealed from the Spirit of God tonight, that's where it begins. And if this is not right, it's done. It's over. And so tonight I just want to kind of build on that and then head into this other direction by letting you know, first of all, that faith will not work in an unbelieving heart. You say, what does that mean? If somebody's asking God to do something, how can they have an unbelieving heart? You can't walk around in unbelief for months and months and months and all of a sudden have a need and cry out to God in faith and expect something's going to happen. You have to be diligent in terms of your walk with God day by day. So faith is not going to work in an unbelieving heart in a general disposition where there is unbelief, and then all of a sudden you want results. If you want results, you need to be believing when? All the time. And when you begin to say, you know what, I'm kind of weary in my believing, or maybe I'm, uh, I'm kind of getting to the place where I'm, I'm stubbing my toes spiritually and things aren't going well, get back into the Word of God. Number two, faith won't work in an unforgiving heart. That shouldn't be a surprise to us. Uh, we're not going to get much done in terms of results if we won't walk in love to those that have hurt us. Uh, you're going to live this life, guess what? You're going to get hurt. And where's that hurt going to come from? I mean, really, when's the last time you walked by, you know, a picture frame on the wall or something and said, that, that picture really hurt me right there? Or that doorpost hurt my feelings? Well, that television said, I can't stand it anymore. No, it's not stuff, it's what? It's people. And so your faith's not going to work in an unbelieving heart, and your faith's not going to work in an unforgiving heart. So we've got to make sure we're maintaining faith, and we've got to make sure that we're maintaining our love walk. When people do hurt us, as they will from time to time, you should forgive them and forgive them when? Quickly. That is if you want results. Now, if you don't care about being used of God, then don't listen to the thing I'm saying tonight. Raise your hand if you care about the power of God, you care about people getting healed. And you care about seeing results, whether it is, you know, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. The reality is you're not going to see that with an unbelieving heart, and you're not going to see that with an unforgiving heart. It starts with you looking at that, walking in love, regardless of what you go through. And uh, really, it's, it's not easy to do, is it? But how I many say it's worth it to do? It is worth it, especially when you see the anointing begin to bump up in your life and the power of God bump up in your life. And then the Holy Ghost says, you know what? You're increasing in anointing and in favor and in power and in blessing because you're dealing with things I'm telling you to deal with. I tell you, don't you, you just as soon as you decide to deal with something in your heart, you're going to see the Lord respond in a favorable way to that. 
You're going to see him surround your heart and surround your life with a, with a shield of favor. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I am righteous. And the Lord surrounds me with a shield of favor. Number three, in an unteachable heart. You can't walk around thinking you know it all. Because guess what? You don't know it all. This pertains to revelation and understanding. Always having a you know, teachable spirit where God can take you to the next level. Uh, we know quite a bit. We're blessed, aren't we, church? Great revelation has come into this generation. But that doesn't mean we know it all. When we get to the place where we can't be taught, where God can't build on what we know, where God can't expand what we know, then we're done. I've said this many times, you know, from a pulpit, you know, from a music stand, hallelujah, <laughs> um, that I'm always challenged and blessed when I go to a minister's conference and I see somebody like Brother Copeland who's, you know, pushing 90 and still sitting there with his notebook and his Bible and a pen in his hand like he doesn't know anything. You know, Or Roberts has that same spirit about him. No wonder God used him so powerfully. There was a time where he called Creflo Dollar up on the phone. He said, uh, hey, Creflo, I'm going to fly into Atlanta, and I want to be with you and Taffy for a few days, just invite himself. And he said, I, I want to talk to you about, about faith. Well, he thought he's going to come in and have a great personal session on faith. But that's not what he came to do. He came in there, sat down in his living room, sat down like an Indian, and told Creflo, I charge you to teach me everything you know about faith. At that time, I want to say he was 88, 89, 90 years old. Look at somebody and say, stay teachable. teachable. Look at somebody and say, stay thirsty, my friends. That's okay if you're thirsty for the right things. (laughs) Amen. And how many know revelation is a good thing to be thirsty for? Blessed are the hungry and what? Those that thirst and hunger after righteousness, what happened to them? (laughs) They're going to be filled. So faith won't work in an unteachable heart. Uh, you know, if, uh, those that have gone before us and those that are still on this earth can stay teachable. And, you know, I think about Marilyn Hickey's the same way. Same spirit upon that woman. She knows, if she, if she doesn't know everything, she's pretty close to knowing everything. And yet still is just as teachable as the day is long. That's the way you want to be. No wonder God has given her Pakistan. No wonder God is moving in her life and ministry at the ripe age she is. And I think she's now what? Is it, is it 90 or very, something like that? Yeah. How do you want to see some of these saints and generals hang around for a little while longer? Yes. Amen. Glory to God. Number four, faith won't work in an uncorrectable heart. This is not so much about revelation and understanding. This is about when something's not right in our lives, that God has the right to deal with it, to finger it, to correct it, to discipline us, to tell us that's out of bounds, that is wrong to bring conviction into our lives, and also use those that are charged with the welfare and the shepherding of our souls to do the same. If we can't do that, we can't be used of God. The uncorrectable is a person who is not electable in terms of flowing in the power of God. You simply must be able to be corrected, and we all have to have somebody in our lives like that. Now, when in people's you know, lives like ours, where we've seen a lot of our generals and our, faith and, you know, our fathers in the faith go onward, that doesn't mean there, there aren't people that remain or can step into that role that we can honor. And they can say, you know what, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? So look at somebody and tell them, stay correctable. I mean, it can absolutely save your life. It can absolutely save your destiny. It can save your, it can save everything God has planned for you. You know, I've often taught this concept of the path. Aren't you glad God has a path for you? Aren't you glad that on that path are blessings? 
And Christians sometimes will come off that path trying to chase something that's good. It's actually even God's will. It's not a bad thing that they're, that they're going after. So there's, there's a treasure chest there and a relationship here. Maybe there's a vehicle here or a ministry there. And, you know, sometimes that road does not go straight from A to B. Sometimes in our carnal minds, it makes no sense how that road winds or whatever. But often people will get off that path looking for the things that God has already ordained for the foundation of the world for them. And all they need to do is just stay on the path. You'll run right into them. Turn to somebody and tell them they're already there. Just stay on the path of God. And so what we can do, in addition to, of course, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which if we're praying and seeking God, we should be able to be correctable to him at any time, any place. Whether it's a, a thing you're giving yourself permission to do or an attitude. How many of you have ever said something and the Holy Ghost just kind of said, I hope so. Amen. If not, I want your autograph before the service is over because I want to know somebody that's never had to be corrected by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You have those things, but you also have need of people in the body of Christ. God gave you pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles and men evangelists to speak into your life for the perfecting of the saints, for the what? For the work of the ministry. Watch this. Without the gifts, you can't be perfected, and you cannot be mature, and therefore you can't be prepared for service. And this applies to a lot of people in the body of Christ. Well, look at somebody and say, he's not talking about me tonight. Say it with me, I am correctable. I am pliable. I want my faith to work. And you say, well, how, how, many, how many episodes of, of being uncorrectable does it take to shut the things down in your life? Just one. Some of you are looking for God's big deal in your life. You're looking for God's big move in your life, for God to use you in a big way, and you're still struggling with something he told you to do 12 years ago. Why would he entrust you with a modern and current, right, command or some kind of commission when you haven't even done what you're supposed to do 12, 15, 20 years ago. What I found is if you kneel to pray and you ask him about it, it's amazing how long his memory is. I just thought he'd forget about that and move on down the road. Uh, that's not in his nature to forget what he told you to do. Does that make sense? But how are you glad for mercy and opportunity? Yeah, so, you know, uh, nobody can, can really do this for you. You just have to make up your mind you're going to be correctable. And it's still the hardest thing in the world to do. Uh, you know this. If somebody's asked you to speak into their life, and then you very much with trepidation did. Amen. Uh, lots of people say they want that, but, you know, sometimes they don't really understand what that means when they actually ask for that level of input in the life. When it comes to the, to the fivefold ministry gift, you'll remember what Paul said to Timothy, you know, preach the word, right? Be in season, out of season. And he also told them to what? To correct and instruct. So when you're in the fivefold ministry, even though um, <laughs> it's not fun all the time, we're commanded to do it. So give us a break. Amen. Are you here tonight? <laughs> No pastor says, oh, when I graduate from seminary, I get to correct people. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody says that. Well, I got ordained today. Tomorrow I get to start correcting people. Isn't that wonderful? No. Um, but guess what it is? It's a command because it's a part of perfecting us. It's a part of growing us, and everybody actually needs it. So look at somebody and say, that's me. 
Faith won't work in an unbelieving heart, an unforgiving heart, an unteachable heart, an uncorrectable heart. Faith won't work in an uncommitted heart. Only God and you know for sure if you're really committed to what he's called you to do. Um, I just tell you this little story because it's, it's, it's really my story. But when we went to Hopkinsville, this was 1990, 91, yeah. Um, we went to the service. And I was just telling you this story, wasn't I? Yeah. Uh, we used to sit on little thrones back here, you know. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and the piano player is playing in one-time signature, and the drummer's doing his own thing, and the bass player is not plugged into the sound system. He's plugged into his own amp, controlling it at whatever volume he wants. And so whenever he go doing, 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 the plaster would crack. And all you could hear was the bass. The uh, song leader is in the pulpit with a hanky, the old charismatic hanky. Look at somebody say the old charismatic hanky there. Because you're not anointed if you're not waving one of them. You all understand what I'm saying to you? And uh, this was the music. And I'm on the platform going, Lord, get me out of here. I'm literally praying. Just beam me up, Scotty, because this is the most horrible thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Bless their hearts. Everybody say, bless their hearts. Come on, say it again. Say, bless their hearts. You all know in in the South, that is not a statement of compassion or concern. That's a statement of pity. (laughs) Bless their hearts. So there I am on on the platform praying this prayer. And somebody might have looked at me and wondered, wonder what holy thing the pastor is praying right now. The service closed and went home, and I get a phone call from Nicky Morrison, who was uh, involved in Mayfield for quite a long time with Debbie Morrison, and he had a music shop in Clarksville, and he was kind of like Jerry Lee Lewis and Jimmy Swaggart, and, uh, and Mickey Gilly all rolled into one in terms of talent. I mean, self-taught, knew how to play everything. And he said, he called me on the phone, he said, Art, I was in the bathtub taking a bath, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, go up there and help that boy. <laughs> And so we did. They came up there and, I don't know, played all kinds of instruments. And, and how many understand that uh, alignment is so critical, and especially in a ministry like praise and worship. It's really, really important. Uh, at least getting the same time signature. Playing the same key. Turn the bass down. Yeah. And so, you know, you know and, and being there about a half year, year, year and a half, there's always this thing in the back of my mind that, you know, do you really want us to be here? Is this something you want us to do? Do you want to do something here? And that was the heart of the people there. We don't know what to do, just we want to do it and we'll follow you. And we were young, and a lot of them were young in the Lord. But I remember asking the Lord, I said, it just feels like, you know, something's not clicking here. And I had this, this image of the hand of the Lord. Everybody say the hand of the Lord, the yacht of God, the right hand of God. I had this image, and it was, it was not fully engaged. It was like suspended in the air. And I remember asking him, what is that? He goes, I'm not fully engaged because you're not fully engaged. You get fully engaged and you'll see my hand come down on this place. And a church that went from 70 to 50 after we got there grew on up to 200 and beyond 200. And a simple message is you need to be 100% committed and present in the task I've called you to do now. 
And if you haven't seen the yacht of God come down and the blessing of God come down on what you're assigned to, you have no business thinking about going to the next church to pastor or I wonder how many years I'm supposed to be here. Apparently, I got that message. I've been here 26 years now. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody say the yacht of God. Now, that don't, that's not to say you can't be there physically and not be committed in your heart. That's possible too. But how many understand that typically they do go together? And, and how many want to see the full hand of God engaged? got to be committed to what God has assigned you to do and be focused on that. No paying attention to any other voices out there. They're always going to be calling you, always going to be talking to you. I mean, there are all kinds of things that can happen, all kinds of ways the enemy would love to take you out. How many know he tempts us to sin? Amen. Everybody say he tempts us to sin and he tries to get us to quit. Raise your hand if the devil's ever tried to get you to quit. Just sit down and shut up and forget about it. Yeah. Well, what I found out is if he couldn't get me to fall by sinning or fall by quitting, he would try to get me displaced by moving and start dangling all kinds of things in front of my face. There was a wonderful church outside of Colorado Springs with the Indian pastor, and the chairman of the board was the, local, uh, was the local superintendent of schools for that area. And she come up here and, and interview. There were three of us they wanted to interview and there's just absolutely no liberty whatsoever. Look at someone say liberty, freedom, peace. In other words, whatever God was wanting to do here, it wasn't done. You had a call uh, from the uh, former superintendent one day, and he says, uh, he says, you know, so-and-so who's the secretary treasurer over the Assemblies of God in Kentucky, this is a, a resident position in Louisville, is leaving, and... You know, uh, I think that you'd be a great replacement for that, and I want to put your name in a nomination. I said, what would you do? I didn't have to really pray about that because I knew that wasn't the assignment for God. Besides that, I'm not a bureaucrat. That is a job for some people. Look at somebody and say, some people. Somebody has to do that job. Right now, that position nationally is held by a woman named Sister Barrett, and she's phenomenal. She's doing a tremendous job, you know, for the assemblies. But... Uh, you know, that's another example of, you know, you can do, and I can just go on and tell you that there are all kinds of things that come along the pike and, and interests and things in your heart that you want to do. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want to see the yacht of God engaged in your life, be fully 100% committed to what you're doing, what you're called to do, and don't see it as a small thing. It's a big deal. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them, the uncommitted, the uncommitted heart will not produce. Now watch this. I'm not just saying it won't produce fruit in ministry. It won't produce in other areas of your life. A lack of commitment will keep you from producing in other areas you're believing God for. I don't know about you, but I want to see everything come to pass. Amen. Say every wave. Forget about this one wave every five years. (laughs) About like all the time in Jesus' name. I know a lot of people in this church, you have been faithful to serve, faithful to pray, faithful to give, faithful to attend. Let's be faithful to see things come in now in every wave. The Lord showed me this about you word people. Say to me, I'm a word person. The Lord showed me something about y'all. You guys. Ewans. <laughs> because I have an inquiring mind. I want to know. I began to watch people in the ministry, word people, other people that were just, you know, planted in the congregations throughout the country that I knew personally. And I began to watch them four years, 
Five years faithful, eight years. Yeah, there's some things happening in their life. There's some rumblings and blessings. Eight years, nine years, 10 years, 12 years. And it seemed to me for a lot of these people, 14, 16 years, things began to kick into high gear and everything they touched was blessed. It started coming in from everywhere. You think, well, look at them. They're bl-. All of a sudden, that's what a carnal Christian says, all of a sudden they're blessed. Who, how come they're so special? You don't know what they've been doing for the past decade and a half, two decades. You don't know. They've been faithfully sowing, doing the work of God, doing what they're called to do, and now it's coming in. Amen. And I'm happy to declare to you in 2022, that's a season for many of you in this building tonight. You're going to start seeing them come in that way and no apologies. It's marvelous in in our eyes. And guess who's doing it? He's the one doing it. And it's okay. But if you want the full engagement of the hand of God, don't be holding back on him. Don't be sitting up on a platform three weeks after you get to the church asking God to take you out. Uh, in my defense, I was pretty young. How old was I? You were younger. <laughs> she was much younger, but she wasn't praying that prayer. <laughs> that was on me. Say it with me. The out of God. His power, his provision, his goodness, his peace. Everything that, that is good that we believe is, is a part of walking with God We can't go around holding out on him. Amen? Throw yourself into what you're called to do. Throw yourself into it. Amen? Be planted. Be established. Be immovable. Be like Paul. None of these things, what? Say it with me. None of these things move me. And believe you me, the devil will try. He'll try to move you off the word. He'll try to move you out of love. He'll try to move you out of your spot. He'll try to move you out of your anointing, your calling. That's just how he works. He's a liar and what? And the father of lies. So as you do this, don't be surprised when you know, these waves start breaking over you. And they're not waves of destruction. Amen. There are many sitting here and come around July, August, September. You're going to look back even in, at that part in the year and you're going to say, this is exactly what the pastor was talking about in January. I am being hit with his breakers. Amen. And it's not just about natural things. You're going to see that. Carnal things and material things. That's all the part of his provision. You're going to see true riches break over you. Is that okay? Well, he got you somebody around here. Do you realize that you're planted here as, as a minister to be a witness to this region? God wants a no holes barred, 100% Holy Ghost, no compromise on the word ministry. So this region will have a witness. Whether they buy into it or not. Whether they accept it or not. Whether they run with it or not. And there have been people in this ministry that heard it, go in one ear and out the other. Somebody else sitting near them, grab it and run with it. And their life is profusely blessed. It's because they took what God gave them, believed it, and ran with it. Everybody say, God bless them. Amen. Say it, an uncommitted heart. When you fully engage, say it with me. This is what God said to me. When you fully engage, I'll fully engage. Now, only you know in your heart of hearts if you've been holding back on him or not. You know, it's not our job to go around judging each other. But if you want the full engagement of his job, make sure you fully engage your heart, the committed heart. Number six, in an unyielding heart. 
This speaks of his promptings, and yet you spend most of your time self-directed rather than spirit-led. One of my precious fathers in the faith, Brother John Osteen, used to say all the time, obey every urging of the Holy Ghost, day by day. Amen. And then I began to notice that in, in the teaching and preaching ministry, these things would happen in the middle of a message. And what should I do if I have one? I should yield to it. If he says stop and pray for somebody, what should we do? Stop and pray for it. He says change gears and go this direction with a message or tell this story or whatever it is. It got so uh, repetitious at Lakewood that uh, Joel once said to John, I tell you what, why don't you just, we'll number all your stories and when you feel led to tell a story, just call out the number, 45, 62, we'll laugh and you can move on with the sermon because they all knew his stories. But he would always say, I'm going to tell that story because it came up in me. And you never know who, who might have wandered into that building that day. And they needed to hear the application of the gospel in that person's life. The rest of us knew it, but that person needed it. It could be a story. It could be a scripture. It could be a phone call. It could be an encouragement. It could be an email. It could be whatever it is, being led of the Spirit of God. And doing what we're supposed to do and stop this incessant habit in the body of Christ of self-directing ourselves, but be led of the Spirit of God. That means day by day, but it also means in the big picture things, Amen. And if you're a man of God, you have even greater responsibility. That's the way you should be. But if you're a man of God and you're modeling self-direction, how is your family supposed to pick up on this? Amen. That's part of the priesthood responsibility. Say an unyielding heart. Faith won't work in an unyielding heart. Number seven, faith won't work in an unholy heart. I think the Holy Ghost has pretty much already hammered that in tonight. But uh, impurity in the heart... Whether it's motives or practices or meditations, uh, faith's not going to work in that kind of heart. So watch this. You can never separate a, a desire and a call and a yearning for a revival from the holiness message. You can't do it. And we're not talking about how many layers of makeup, how long your hair is, how much jewelry you have, how long your dress is. Do you notice that when people talk about holiness that way, they always talk about ladies' issues? Absolutely. It's like this entire codification if you're a female. And if you're a male, it's like, hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, there's some things we can do. You know, you can certainly dress in a modest way. You can certainly honor God in your dress. But the things that are, that are holding back and stopping up the flow of our faith and its results are mostly on the inside. That's where all the dead men's bones reside. Again, that's why it's so important to be hooked up to the Word, to the Spirit of God, and listen to Him. Uh, along with the message of, of, of waves breaking over you over and over again this year, there's going to be God talking to you about stuff. Amen. Glory to God. And how are you going to be quick to repent and let Him have His way? Amen. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly holy right now. Well, no, you're not. You wouldn't have said that. Amen. But my brother-in-law, Ben Priest, used to say he's almost made this famous. He said, my biggest room is my, my room for improvement. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, it's a true statement. Number eight, faith won't work in an undiscerning heart. We just can't afford not to discern between good and evil. 
people that have trained themselves in this teaching of righteousness, according to Hebrews, we will discern between what? Good and evil. We must discern in our hearts between right and wrong. Light versus dark. We can't afford to be fellowshipping with things that are, that are dark, that are impure. And so when we, when we deal with those, when we see those, when we hear those, we have to have this instantaneous discernment about us. I'm not talking about discerning spirits. That can be part of it. That's a specific application of the gifts of the Spirit whereby we know instantly the source of an utterance, a manifestation, a performance. Was that the Holy Spirit? Was it a demonic spirit? Or was that the human spirit? That's the limitation. That's the parameters for discerning of spirits. Discernment is broader than that. We need to know when we're hearing something that's phony and baloney, something that's unbelievable, something that'll get you sick spiritually. Amen? You need to have that kind of discernment. Your faith's not going to work, in other words, if you have word seeds growing and you've been polluting things by putting stuff in there. One day you're listening to faith, the next day you're listening to unbelief. Amen? One day you're talking about the Holy Ghost, and then you expose your kids to ministry that is diametrically opposed to the present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. What's going to grow up in their heart is confusion. Can I help you out here? You expose your kids to competing messages about the Word, about Word of Faith, about the Holy Spirit, about the blessing of God, the favor of God. You, you expose them to competing influences. They will always choose the lowest common denominator. You will not produce a powerhouse for God. You will produce the one. They will always, 99.99% of the time, choose the lowest. A married couple that is not on the same plane when they get married, they will always choose to go with the deadest church, amen, the one with the least revelation and the one with the least you know, responsibilities and obligations. Always that way. Well, you and I can't afford to be undiscerning right now. We are in a time where we, say it with me, we can't afford to be undiscerning. Your faith won't work in that kind of heart that's polluted. And then last, your faith won't work in an uncourageous heart. What does that mean? It takes us where we're at tonight. Fearful. Intimidated. Easily pushed around. Lacking the kind of boldness that's, that's needed. Uh, we're going to be what God's called us to be. We're going to have to be people of great courage. And yet right now in this country, the church has been infected with fear like I have never seen it before. Because they pay more attention to the contradictory messages of the world on COVID and other matters instead of paying to the singular, consistent message of the Word of God that says, fear not. Amen? And, uh, you know, if I sat down at the end of the year and said, okay, what do I want to preach on in January? This is not what I would have picked. But I'm telling you that we're going to drive this spirit out of the body of Christ. Those that are under this covering and those that are influenced by it. So they can walk in the spirit of faith and do great things for God. And you'll be surprised how it will manifest and how it will come out in your life. You'll even notice. I can't, I can't really believe that's there, but it's there. And it manifests in all kinds of ways. Some of the things that uh, you may not be doing, you may not be aware that fear has crept in and is actually manipulating you in other ways. Look at somebody and say, no fear, no fear. here. Fear. Amen. That's the name of the series. Say it with me. No fear, no fear. here. Say it again. No fear. Where? Here. This is the only place that you can make that declaration about. You can believe God as a church, believe God as a family, but at the end of the day, you have to guard your own heart for out of the flow the issues of life.
So faith won't work in an unbelieving heart, unforgiving, unteachable, uncorrectable, uncommitted, unyielding, unholy, undiscerning, and uncourageous heart that is fearful, intimidated, lacking boldness, easily pushed around. Um, that said, go with me for just a moment over to 2 Timothy. Let's just lay a little bit of groundwork tonight. We're not going to spread fear here. We're going to spread the spirit of faith, not the spirit of fear. And understand this, we'll talk more about this Sunday, about what the nature of the spirit of fear is, but it's, it's more than just being afraid. It's an atmosphere about you. There was a preacher when Smith Wigglesworth had gotten on fire for God and the preacher was preaching doubt and fear and unbelief and all kinds of nonsense. And suddenly Smith just stood up and said, stop, you're charging the air with unbelief. And took over the service. And from what I understand, it was a powerful, powerful move of God. But what was he doing? You will charge the air with the spirit that you carry. If you have a spirit of faith, you're going to charge the air around you with faith. If you have a spirit of fear about you, you're going to charge the air around you where you go with unbelief. If it's a spirit of fear, guess what? They're going to charge the air with spirit of fear. And there's a lot of Christians, guess what? The atmosphere around them right now is fear. We've got to change that. You say, well, people have gotten sick. People have died. Yes, people have gotten sick. People have even died in this congregation. But does that mean you should throw down the word of God and ignore what you have been hearing for years? Is that how this works? No. Pastor has an altar call of five people that are clearly on their way to hell. Four of them responded, one didn't. So we, should we stop preaching the gospel because the one wouldn't respond? We don't base our message on what we see, hear, or feel. We base it on what the Word of God says. Because if we start preaching what people go through, everybody's going to start going through it. Yes. We're going to see mass destruction <laughs> instead of mass victory. We stick to the word of God. Does that make sense? Yes. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what? What we feel. We're not moved by what we hear. We're moved by what? By the word of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That atmosphere of fear didn't come from him. But what? Spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's get that deep in our spiritual night. Shout it out. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it again. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now watch this, the presence of fear is the absence of power. Forget about casting out devils, raising the dead, healing the sick. In your heart, you can say, I want this to happen. In your heart, I believe that it's God's will. There's not going to be any power there if the atmosphere about you is fear. Number two, the presence of fear is the absence of love. If the fear's there, the love's not. You can say, I love everybody and everybody loves. If fear is there, the love is absent because perfect love does what? Casts out. That's strong, lambano, to suddenly, immediately fling from your presence, 
casts out what? A remnant, a remnant, a piece of fear? All fear. These things cannot coexist. Power and fear cannot coexist. Love and fear cannot coexist. So what happens is we let love do its work. And perfect love means not you perfected, you're 100% you know, arrived in these areas. It means mature, grown up, big boy pants love. Amen? Loving like an adult spiritually instead of a child. The presence of fear is the absence of sound thinking. Wherever you have fear, you're not going to have a sound mind. You're going to have unscriptural thinking wherever fear is present. Now, how is that going to work out? I've got somebody in the body of Christ in fear. There's not going to be any power there. Love is not going to be activated there. There's not going to be right thinking. How is that going to end up in anything but a train wreck? And that's what's coming for the body of Christ if we don't get out there and, amen, and manually change the track. Okay, so the automatic buttons don't work. The, cha- the track changer won't work. Get out there with a sledgehammer and do what? Hit the signal, switch it manually, and say, you know what? I'm not going to put up with walking around in an atmosphere of fear because I want the power of God. I want the love of God. I want a sound mind to be present. You say, well, we're renewing our minds. We're reading the word of God. I've been doing your five-finger devotion, Pastor. That's great. But if fear is present... Your mind can't be sound, the power will not manifest, and you will not be walking in love. So a Christian that's bound up in fear has got a big-time problem because faith works by love, but you're in fear, so you can't be in Now, we can try to hide it and con ourselves and even convince other people we're okay, but how many understand that the Lord reads our hearts? Amen. Shout it out one more time. I have not been given. The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We've not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit that produces power. That's what the spirit that we have produces. Power. We have the spirit that produces love, which casts out all fear. We have the spirit that produces a sound mind, which means we're going to function at the apex level of our ability. Amen? Say it with me, a whole mind. Functioning. Stop giving people a piece of your mind. You're going to run out of pieces. You need every bit you got. Amen? So let's hold on to it in Jesus' name. So here's what you're doing. You're either spreading fear daily or you're spreading faith daily. There is no in-between. There are only two manifestations of this concept of believing. Fear you're believing for bad, believing for worse, believing for the horrible. Faith is you're believing what the Word of God says in your life. There's, there's no other option for you and for me. So I'm either cultivating the spirit of faith every day, or I'm cultivating the spirit of fear. And that's bad enough for me alone. But it doesn't stay with me. Look at somebody and tell them, it's contagious. I, don't, I love telling you tonight, the spirit of faith is contagious. I mean, walk around faith people, hang around faith people, go to believers, convince them, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get on you. 
And that's a good thing. The spirit of faith is contagious. The sad part is so is the spirit of fear. Say, well, I can just will to spread the spirit of faith and suppress the spirit of fear. I don't have to deal with it. No, if you got the measles, you're not going to give somebody chicken pox. You're going to spread what you have. Amen. And it's either going to be, unlike, you know, you know biologicals and, and, you know, medical issues, in the spirit realm, these, these are the poles. This is where you can live. You can either live in faith or you can live in fear. Plug into faith and you'll unplug from fear. Plug into fear and guess what? You've unplugged from faith. I wish I could tell you that uh, the story was rosier than that. That's why this is such a damaging thing happening in the body of Christ. And for the sake of the body, uh, from the devil's perspective, COVID was a weapon primarily aimed at the church. Sure, he hates people. Sure, he claps when somebody else dies. Sure, he likes all the problems across the country and around the world. Made, made a mistake. He knows his time is short. You know what I was thinking about in the past several days? I'm thinking about with this outbreak, knowing who inspired it, I don't have any doubt in my mind he inspired some demon-infested scientist to manipulate this virus, and either intentionally or unintentionally, it got out. I don't believe it came from a pig or a rat, because if that were the case, it would have invaded the common cold virus hundreds of years ago all of a sudden happens. Demonically inspired because he knows his days are short. So turn that around on him and say, Hallelujah, your days are short. COVID is just another sign our Lord is on his way back. So give it your best, devil. Your best is not good enough. Can you clap for the return of the Lord tonight? Can you get excited? Isn't that a whole lot better than what are we going to do and how are we going to handle this? Amen. If you operate in fear, listen to this. Job said this in Job 3.25. What I have feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come to me. Now dismiss it if you want to. But that scripture tells us we attract things with fear. Amen. Let's praise it.